Another episode of In Your Business. I'm your host, Sasha Syed. I'm doing this solo today because Sean is out at a meeting. But what up, Sean? Giving you a shout out. Um, hey, Sean. Our featured guest today is Bobby Reum from the Soup Shack. Bobby's got a lot of history here in Windsor. Uh, and he's got a pretty crazy story to tell us. And he's doing some really great things in the community. I've had the pleasure of working with him uh, for most of this year. So uh, without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. Tell us about yourself and how you got to be where you're at today with the Soup Shack. Yeah. Hello. Uh, what? Just tell us, uh, let's hear a little bit about your story. Like, what's up, man? Like, what like, is it that led you to, to the Soup Shack? To the Soup Shack. Um, I just finished uh, almost four-year term in prison for uh, extensive drug dealing and drug use, and I was on the streets. And uh, so the last three, three and a half years, four years, I was... Um, in prison, like I said, and then COVID came, and I believe that it was a COVID miracle because I got an early release six months early, and being in prison, we didn't have any idea about COVID. So when I caught news that I might be getting released early, I started asking about the shelters and Salvation Army and where I was going to go because I haven't been in anywhere in such a long time, and they told me about um, everything was closed. There's no missions. It was the the city of Hamilton was shut down. It was it was a ghost town, and uh, I don't know if you know Hamilton, but it's a pretty busy and moving moving city. So my uh, release got granted, and they let me out, and they were right. It was a complete ghost town, and my only option was Tent City, in downtown Hamilton, right across from the from the jail. So I spent about a a week in Tent City, and. You know, I was I was just wondering, like, what am I gonna do, and how am I gonna get back here to Windsor? Because um, there's no buses and, or nothing. It was either steal a car or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something, right? Just trying to get back home because I wanted to, I wanted to come into Brentwood because I remember back in the day, Brentwood. I went to Brentwood twenty something years ago, and you were allowed to stay there. And I haven't seen my family in like five, six years because I was on the streets and using drugs. So I wanted to to get that connection back. And the only thing that came to my mind was Brentwood. So after a, a week of watching Tent City and all these people savaging, I guess you could say, in Tent City, and you know, um, they were like walking zombies, um, fentanyl and everything was over overtaken and there was garbage everywhere and stuff. It was just, it, it was pretty unreal to sit there and look at. Um, so I found a, a quiet little spot um, at an empty warehouse, you know, and I prayed to my understanding God at that time, get me out of here and, and I'll never touch another needle again. And um, within a week, within that week, I was, uh, I was pulled out of the tent city. Uh, my sister came, got me. And then uh, I started to proceed with finding a recovery center because I only had a week to stay at her house because of the things I, I'd done in the past 20 years. Yeah. Right. So, um, 
I called Brentwood and of course it was closed for COVID. So I kept calling detox here in Windsor and they wouldn't even give me the time of day because I wasn't in Windsor. I was in Hamilton and I'm telling them like, I'm from Windsor. Like my last residence was in Windsor. It's just, I've been in jail for, for a long time. And so about 50 times later, they finally gave me a number to launch pad recovery center here in Windsor across from the mission downtown. And he said, if you can get here, I got a bed for you. So I got there and I got clean and I got, it was about two years into the recovery center. It was a two year program. Well, I did a two year program and then, uh, you know, I was just learning how to live again. I had to get all my license back. I had to get all my ID back. I had to get my feelings back. I had to you know, talk with uh, the kids and the family. You know, it was pretty uh, overwhelming. So, you know, needless to say, um, I, I started to accomplish that and I started getting me back because it was a very intense IV drug use time in the last five years, right? Yep. Um, living on the streets and being in jail for the last eight years is it's mentally straining yeah. physically straining right and uh, so I, I was blessed with a do-over and you know I, I came out of this perfectly healthy um so after the two years i was you know praying to god what do you want me to do now um do you want me to stay and be involved with this recovery center at launchpad or what and then this this article came on my phone about a soup shack and needing volunteers. So it was, it was doing a, pro, a pilot project downtown Windsor and it was feeding the homeless and the less fortunate. So I contacted uh, Marissa Mills. She was the uh, director yep. of Street Angels. Yep. And uh, I gave her a little, little story of like my last few years and why I want to do this. And you know, that I was on the street for a long time and I lived on the streets in Windsor and, and stuff and uh for a while and i felt that since i got a, a second chance i wanted to be there for the people on the streets you know the addicts and the homeless that uh you know and try to provide for them you know love and the things that we never had on the streets and the soup shack was a perfect opportunity to to bring that to the community and so now i've been been doing that for a year now and uh, the coordinator of it and pretty much running it all and, and it's such a, a humbling and amazing experience as you know because you've been in there yep very much um you know it's the love that we show to them and it gives them hope right and i give them hope because i was there and a lot of them remember me from the streets you know and that connection it's not like a connection that anybody can really have right like been there done that yeah the the thoughts the 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 sadness the happiness the struggles you know all that stuff it's real all right and you know the people on the street there's there's a lot of um what do you say um what's the word um the stigma of being on the streets yeah stigma like, like yeah. stereotype stigma but really, they're together. They really look after each other. There's yeah. a lot of fighting, arguing, and robbing, and stealing and stuff. But in the, in the end, they, they really look out for each other. And you know, and a lot of people don't see that. And I was a witness of that. And I I did that when I was with them. You know, I, I remember days when we were it was freezing cold out, and there was like ten of us huddled in a tarp down on Palisher Street, 
right? And behind a garbage can. Yeah. And just trying to stay warm and, you know, get through the day. And, uh, you know, so there's always been that, that street love that I've had. I've always grown up on the street. And I just wanted to be able to be a voice for them and to, to give them love and give them hope and to give them food and, you know, to give them things that we need for that 24-hour period because it's, it's hard out there. Yeah. You know, it's hard out there. And, and when you're in that state and, you know, it's not like you can just call your family and come give me some toothpaste and toothbrush and, and this and that, right? It's just like we made choices and there's consequences. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the... the the fight to get back to that is uh, is something in itself, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, what do you like? What does the soup shack do? Like, why don't you talk about what what the soup shack does? What's your role with the volunteers? The soup shack. What we do is from seven till nine every night, three hundred sixty-five days a year, rain, snow, or whatever. We provide soup, hot chocolate, coffee, snacks, toiletries. Um, Shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, socks, very important. Mittens, hats, you know, whatever, whatever is necessary for them to, for the 24 hours. Um, a lot of them don't get meals during the day. Um, a lot of them don't want to go to Waterworld, don't want to go to the mission, you know. So what we've done at the, the Soup Shack is we've pretty much built like a little community. So for like two and a half hours, like they start lining up at like what twenty after six, six thirty. Six thirty, yeah. You know they're all there waiting. Um, so we give them, we give them their soup, we give them some hot chocolate, some coffee. We talk with them, we laugh with them, we hug them. You know, we make sure we always tell them we love them. Mm-hmm. You know, and we build a relationship with them. And in the past year. You know, I've changed myself. I've seen the changes in volunteers, and I've most importantly, I've seen the changes in them. Yeah. You know, like they'll come talk to you. Yeah. And and they'll sit there and they'll talk amongst each others, each other sitting there, and and it's that is the beautiful thing. You know, I always say like an hour before that they were trying to rob each other or steal their stuff, but then when they're there at the shack, they're just sitting there talking to each other. You know, and it, it makes me cry every time when I'm sitting there watching them all sitting along the thing, just chitter chatter and talking because, you know, for that two hours, we've created such a safe zone for them. It's amazing. Yeah. Right? It's truly amazing. You know, um, we, we don't allow drug use there. We don't allow fighting. We don't allow arguing. You know, I try to we try to deescalate it. And, you know, for the most part, we work really hard to have those drugs on that site. And. And as you know, they they don't bring it. Yep. You know, there's the odd one once in a while. But and, they're good though. As soon as you tell yeah. them put it away, they put it right yeah. away. They don't know. They don't argue or anything. No. And then you notice if someone is seen using dope, they're on them. Yeah. They're like, don't get get out of here. You can't do that here. Yep. You know. And so we give them mercy and grace, right? Um, we have not had an overdose in the whole year. We've we've done this, yep. you know, um, and they keep coming back. You know, we're up to 120, 130 as of yesterday. You know, and it's a steady everyday thing. Yep. So a lot of people probably know of the soup shack from what they've heard in the news. There was issues with uh, the location when Marissa first started it. Um, it was on a private property and that guy made everybody move. So that's kind of when I was introduced to it is when it got sent over to Parent Wyandotte. Parkwood, yeah. Uh, yep. So and then now it's moved again. So would you talk yes. a little bit about the journey of the Soup Shack and um, 
like how, why it's moved, what's going on. Um, I know you said earlier we're due in February yeah. if it's going to renew. So talk about yeah. a little bit about that, about its relocation and its status in downtown. Um, like the, we, we first started the Soup Shack, we were, it was at Throne of Grace, um, and we were only hitting about 20 people. And so that was for a couple months, and then we were asked to move. So we were, had a, two months, we were on hold. Um, in that meantime, we started the Leamington Hope Center. Um, so that started kicking off. And then we found a home on Parent and Wyandotte, like you said, with uh, Parkwood. They gave us the parking lot to use. And I think, what, the first month, we were at like 60 people, 80 people. Yeah. I think even when we left, we were about 100 and some, almost 100 people there. And it was just like we impacted that neighborhood. And it was like... I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know if it was even going to fly because, you know, it was kind of out of Glengarry, out of the downtown because Throne of Grace was right downtown, you know. But once they all found out that we were there, I didn't realize the impact we really had on them until that move. Yeah. Because they were like, wow, we found you. We found you. We found you. Yeah. You know, and right then I knew I was just like, oh, like we really, we really do impact these people, right? Like, you know, uh, consistency, right? Yep. And when, if they have consistency and they know that they're going to get their food and get some love or, or whatever it is, they're going to come. Yep. And they started bringing everybody with them. And it was, uh, you know, the only bad thing about it was right on Wyandotte Street. Yeah, Wyandotte right. parents on yeah. a great corner. So it was good and bad, you know, because we get the cars driving by and stuff like that. and <laughs> Free publicity. Those mufflers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was close to street help too, so it yeah. had a lot of um, like a lot of viewership there too, and people yeah. that were in that area that maybe can't travel downtown. Yeah. Um, similar to it being there and uh, facing challenge with people at the mission that can't walk that far. Yeah. And so now it's located to now we've moved to All Saints Church at City Hall Square. Yep. Um, right beside the church in the courtyard, I guess you could call it. Um, Everybody followed. Everybody followed, it, and it's closer to Glengarry. I don't see as much from the mission, but we get a few that come. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I like to be right in the middle of everywhere, where it's easy, accessible for all of them, because it's it's it's, it's a long walk when you're on the street all day. Yeah. I mean, in the conditions that they're in and whatever they're doing, um, but it's 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 actually a, a really quiet. Um, surreal, I guess it's a surreal place. Like it's 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 really comfortable. Yeah, the All Saints. Yeah. Well, it's like so. If just for my experience, to compare it from when I started at Parent and Wyandotte, I mean, we got trees, we have grass, we yeah. have places for them to sit. There's yeah. light because you know, I mean, it was okay in the summertime when it yeah. got dark at ten, but yeah. um, it's just more scenic. For them, yeah, I think it's, it's mentally camping almost like you, you know, mentally, I bet you it, it, it's ease, eases their mind, yeah, and makes yeah. them probably feel more human, I guess, yeah. because it's okay to go and get all the stuff you need, but yeah. then you're still sitting down in a dirty parking lot and people yelling at you and honking yeah. at you and, and you know, throwing stuff. We've had Dri a few instances of throwing stuff, driving you know. by with their cameras on. I yeah. saw that a whole bunch of yeah. times, so now it's more secluded for them. I yeah. mean, you know, there's not that much traffic, and, so and I've seen like the change in them as well, right? Um. We're changing them as well. Like they're they're relaxed, they're calm. We don't see much of the the mental state anymore, as much as we did on, on Wine Dot. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's calmed down, and um, like they they would have a a mental. I don't know what you could call it. Uh, like state of mind or what? Like the psychosis. Psychosis, and yeah. then you know we'd ask them a question, and they they would stop reading the tracks, answer us, but then go right back to yeah to where they were. Yeah, we we're not seeing that right now. Yeah, you know, Notice now that, that I think about it, since yeah. we moved to All Saints, everybody's kind of been more coherent. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking, you know, uh, the place, the, the setting is is actually better for them. Yep. Because, yeah, I know, I know this guy named Sasha who used to, like, um, freak out when the loud mufflers went by. <laughs> 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 Who's that guy? <laughs> I, like, literally want to chase the guy down the street. But. Well, that guy was blaring on the horn, man, and we weren't even in his way. <laughs> so you can imagine him when you're in, like, psychosis or something, you know, what it does for you. Yeah. For them, right? Mm. Um, like I said, we're not seeing that. <laughs> we're just, we're seeing, they're coming, and, you know, they're thanking us they're so grateful and they're sitting down a lot there's a lot more just hanging around talking yeah and like i said it's just it's a beautiful thing to see that they're all sitting there together just talking yeah and on 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 that note of just change um how many people have you helped and got into detox since you started uh i think we had about 12 12 people yeah i know um, we were yesterday we we're looking for one we were looking for one young lady yesterday um we couldn't find her due to the weather i think because everybody was hiding inside because yep. it was cold yep. but we did get in touch with her at nighttime and we're going to try to process again so that's the pro- we're always trying to get them hooked up with it but the you know there's such um a gap from them wanting to come to me and say, can you get me into detox for them to call detox and then for them to keep calling detox. It's just impossible because most of them don't have phones yep. or if they do have phones, they don't have data. They need Wi-Fi or, or whatever it is. Right. So we're, we're trying to work, work diligently and to close that gap so we can get them into rehab or to detox quicker and then off to rehab because right now it's about an eight month six to eight month wait in any recovery center to get like into like brentwood anywhere so i like i was gonna say because in 2012 11 12 ish 13 ish was kind of when i was in the deepest of my addictions mm-hmm. um back then you used to be able to call detox you know you go for a day or two and brent would pick you up right fucking right from <laughs> detox so so let's are, are there and i'm and i've noticed since i come back and i've been out of that scene for a long time i mean i had hiccups here and there but i mm-hmm. was just out of the street scene for a long time but just in regards to the detox issues today like what are you seeing that we're facing like why are we having so much backlog um what's the process like going to detox and getting out of there uh is it are you seeing that people can get beds right away are we seeing there's a lag time in between is it do you think that's a big contribution to why it's so difficult for people to get clean or stay clean today Um, what's your opinion on that the the drug scene in world evolved so much in the last eight years i i don't think they have the capacity to 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 help them as much as the need is um like i said i missed the last five years so i don't really know what happened but i know when i went in it wasn't like it is now yeah and like you said you got in in a couple days and you were off to brownwood now it's like you're fighting to get a phone call 
every day for two and a half weeks just to get the detox. Yeah. And then when you get the detox, you're only allowed to stay up to five days now, I think, when before we were allowed to stay for 10. Okay. And then now, like I said, even to find a center to go to, there's six months right there. So yeah. when you're living in, we'll say, Glengarry or on the streets of the Mission and stuff, how long do you think they're going to hang there, stay sober, stay clean, for eight months yeah. when you're living at the mission to try and get into re recovery center. So I know as well as you do, like I went through like eight recovery centers I've been using for 37 years. And <laughs> that's how old I am. <laughs> yeah. As long as you've been alive. <laughs> so, Oh man, that'll be the laugh, but it's just yeah. funny because that's how old I am. <laughs> so, you know, for me, there was weights too. Like I went to Teen Challenge. I had to wait. Um, I had to go and and do my intake and stuff. And you know, they didn't even know if I was gonna get there. And of course, I was high, and I went and did it anyways. But there's that. It's it's just that that gap. You know, I don't know how we can solve this gapness. Um, you know, because you, you can't leave anything like a phone or anything on you when you're living in those conditions because it's just gone. Yeah. So what can we do to close this gap for them? Because like you've, you've seen it too. They, every other, what, three times a week, someone's coming crying that they need to go to detox. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just like, I'm trying to, to work and, and do this and get you in there. And then when like yesterday you got to witness in the cold, then we got to go try to find them. Yeah. Right. And trying to find an addict or someone in that state it's like <laughs> a needle in a haystack yeah first, right because like you never know where they're going to be as my experience i was never in a place for more than five ten minutes and i was gone right like i'd be seen here and then they come back and see that i was there and then uh, i was nowhere to be found yeah and i could be well, one minute I was seen in Windsor, next minute I was in Welland, Ontario. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> my, plus mindset changes too so yeah. fast there. I don't know. For yeah. me, it was I need to get clean, but the second I had an opportunity to go get more dope, I was gone. Well, and that's right. And then the situations in these places where they're staying, it's just like some one bad person comes in and the whole place is erupt and gone. Yeah. Or an OD or, or something, right? So some kind of sustainable housing or, or a unit where these people that make that connection to detox, like a transition house, we'll say, go to detox, they get their detox. Okay, you have a, a date and a, a bed at this place. We'll keep you here until you go to that place. You know, if it's a couple of months or six months or whatever. To close this gap and to save lives, I think that's what we need. We need to somehow get a transitional house or building where they can come from detox, go there, of course, under care and everything, right? Because you can't just leave them in by yeah. themselves, yep. right? And then if you have your date and you want to get clean and whatever, then you stay here until you go. Is there anything like that? No. I think there is for women, though. I think there's a couple of houses because remember I got all that stuff for that friend of mine. Yeah, she was staying in a house where it was a safe place to go. Well, there there may be a couple. I I don't know. But I've I think it's heard. just for women though. That's the thing. yeah, maybe. And women need it just as much. Like man, it's a little bit easier. I th I, th I feel for men. I might get in trouble for this, but I think it's a little easier for men to get in to a place than it is for women. Really? Eh? Yeah. Wow. I just I find it hard. I see like from the past year and even from when my experience is on the street, I, there's a lot of women that are not getting the help that they need. You oh, know, and it could be the other way around though. Yeah, because yeah. well, you figure I know myself personally about ten 
dry houses and uh, recovery centers for men. I only, I know a couple just for the women. Like I know there's Windsor Lifeline Outreach and I know there's uh, House of Sophocles and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah, pioneers. You know, some of them was with women, some of them are with kids and, and stuff, but for f- the women, no, average woman on the street that's a drug addict and stuff, I, I'm not 100% sure what their options there are for them. So a lot of people might have a lot of misconception about these people on the street, and, and, and you know, I hear it a lot too, and even, even though I've lived it, sometimes I think it too, like, the big one I hear is, it's a fucking choice. At the end of the day, it's a choice. But how do you feel about that? Because it's not just a choice, really. Like, there's addiction is real. It's rather yes. you're addicted to fucking eating ding dongs and Twinkies, or you're addicted to fucking fire smoking crack, subs. or firehouse subs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not mentioning any names here, but uh, shout out. <laughs> right? But you know what I mean. There's a lot of factors. Like addiction is a disease in itself, and it doesn't matter the substance or even mm-hmm. like you, people could be addicted to the gym, right? Yeah. So, but I think it, so many people are one track mind about these people because they're not there like you, mm-hmm. right? They're not there with them. They're not hugging them. They're not loving them. They're not yeah. providing. So what what's a message? maybe that you want to send out for these people maybe on behalf of these people about their state and why they're there everybody has their own views on it right and bottom line is the learned behavior it's a learned behavior right and for me it was drugs it was I learned how to cope with with whatever was going through my head or my my situation and growing up or whatever drugs was my escape and drugs made me forget about it all and and move into this other person that I wanted to be that I couldn't be mm-hmm. I was very shy and stuff growing up and I was very um uh low self-esteem and stuff like that and a lot of weird shit going through my head and stuff right? yep yep and when I found drugs I was able to escape that person and then become friends and have a life with these other street people or whatever it is you know and I had a good family and stuff like that, but I just never, I never had that closeness in my heart. And when I found these people, I was able to be somebody else I wasn't. And I, I ran with that. Um, is it a choice? I think so, because I choose today not to do it. Yep. Right? Um, I could very well in two seconds have a needle in my arm again, but I, cho- I choose not to. Um, the chaos of that lifestyle is also addictive. Yeah. Right? Drug dealing is addictive. You know, when I was dealing fentanyl to people and killing them and then bringing them back to life and then selling it to them again, that gets addictive because now you're playing, like I said in the article, God. Yes. Right? Yep. So it, it, it's, it, it all depends on how, how the person sees it. It's it's very touchy subject. But, yes, um, trauma also has a big thing with addictions right and how you choose to deal with the trauma a lot of us don't know how to deal with trauma including myself and probably yourself oh yeah you know um so for me the drugs took all that away whether i was sexually assaulted whether whatever when i was a kid or or whatever the case may be it took me out of there and made me go somewhere else yeah and i didn't have to think about that and have to feel about that i didn't have to act on that i was able to do whatever i wanted because this thing i just smoked or poked or whatever made me into a different person and i didn't have to remember that and again anymore mm-hmm. now getting sober and into recovery is a whole nother ball game right 
um, am I perfect at it? No. Um, do I know how to deal with my feelings and stuff now? Not really, but I'm working on it. Yep. And I'm doing pretty good, yep. right? Because I'm still sober because I've been three and a half years clean now, right? So every day is, you know, I take it 24 hours a day because I can't promise, Sasha, I'm never going to poke or use needles again or smoke a joint. I, I can't promise you that because I'd be lying to you. Yep. Right? So however I perceive my 24 hours, you know, as best as I can, you know, and be okay with that and go to sleep and be thankful that I got blessed with another day to see the sunrise and stuff again. And, and my state of mind is usually pretty good since I've now this new way, right? Because I'm not chasing anything. I'm not hiding from anything. Yeah. It's all right there, you know, and I can get on with my day again. And it's a choice. Or I can wallow in it and say, I'm an asshole, nobody loves me, and I did all this to my family, I did all this to you, I did this, I did this, blah, 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 and use dope and to escape dealing with it. Because I don't like to deal with things. Yeah, I don't think anybody <laughs> does, honestly. But like, if you, if you listen to a lot of people's uh, stories, or just a lot of people who uh, speak openly about themselves, it's a lot of it is a lot of what's going on inside and not knowing how to deal with it. Yeah. And I and I do believe that television and all that has a huge play. And Absolutely. you have to look like this, and you have to drive a car like that, and you have to have mm-hmm. a house. So yeah. there's a lot of that that we have to battle. But you know, growing up as a kid, I was like, I had freckle face. I was freckle faces and hair, and I didn't have nice clothes and stuff like that either. And I and there was bullying, so I just beat everybody up. <laughs> Right? Yep. And, like, by the time I was nine years old, I was smoking smoking marijuana. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, when, how old you were, you were when you nine, started? Nine ten, nine, ten years old. And what was it that pushed you into that life, really? Like, you mentioned about being shy in that, but is yeah. there, was there something that you were, like, following somebody that you looked up to? Was there an effect? Like, you don't have well, to talk about it if you don't I was always a mommy's want, boy. Right. I, my, Shout my, out to moms. I moms, am yes. Mama bears of the rock. And, you know, <laughs> my dad... I've, I loved my dad as well, but I didn't think he loved me. Yep, I have He wasn't a lovey, huggy kind of dad. Yep. Um, it took me a very long time uh, to figure that out, and it's just he wasn't that kind of man. Um, you know, so nine years old, my friend there, and I still remember the day I was in Alberta uh, at an outdoor hockey rink, and he's like, I got this for my older brother. He was a punk rocker at the time, <laughs> right? And I'm like, he goes, you want to try it? And I'm like, yeah. So we did it. And then as uh, soon as I started feeling a little different, my mom walked by. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all hiding, <laughs> right? But we got away with it. So we got that adrenaline, that adrenaline rush, Yep. you know, and then, oh, let's do it again, right? And then it was just like every, every other day as he was stealing stuff, hash or whatever from his brother, and we were doing it. You know, and I like to, I like to, I like to, I don't know how you can say this, but like do whatever I can with, with my buddies or whatever. So, you know, then we'd move to the next thing. Then it was, we would be huffing gas or we'd be sniffing glue. It was, it was sniffing model glue back in when I was a kid yeah. with the kids in the bags and stuff. And it was really, it was killing kids and stuff like that. But we had to try it. <laughs> right, yeah. I have to try it. You know, I had I, I grew up with this. I have to try every drug. Once I started, that's what it became. So when I got introduced to marijuana, then I went to hash. Then I went from hash and went to oil. Then by twelve, I was snorting cocaine and dealing wow. cocaine down in Young Street in Toronto and hash at the same time. So there's there's that other addiction, right? 
and it was on the street. Like, I was living on the street, but I had a home in Hamilton. You know, it was just, it was the, the rush. Yeah. Now, did your family try to help you? Did they come and try to get you and try to find uh, you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see, I was 15, and I got caught stealing a whole bunch of cars. Uh, I think it was like 31 cars. Wow. Yeah, so I got, I got, uh, I got caught and chased and, and uh, all around Hamilton and stolen cars and stuff. And I finally got caught, and I got kicked out of the house. Uh, my dad was so pissed off at me. Um, she's like, go pack your bags. And I said, that's fine. I packed them and I left and I never came back for like two and a half years. Wow. Right. And that's when I stayed on the street in Toronto. Right. And, um, pushing hash coke, whatever it was like living in greats, living on top of the greats, you know, going back and forth from Hamilton, Toronto, just, you know, yeah. whatever by, I don't know. And I was at one time bouncing at a biker bar dealing cocaine. Right. <laughs> and yeah. this was all before, you know, this is what I tell you about the hockey thing. I lost my hockey thing because of that, right? Because I was very involved in hockey and I was really good at it. But I, when all that went down, they told me, um, come back when, when you uh, straighten up. And I told him to go fuck himself. Yeah. Right. And this is the coach for the hockey and, and stuff. And, and I just left and I didn't want to deal with it. So we, I created more madness and more chaos by not dealing with it and just continuing to get high and, and being a loner, I guess, lone wolf, yep. I guess they call it now. But was it the right thing? Probably not. Could I have went home? Absolutely. But pride gets in the way and, you know, you just you don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, until that time comes when you're, you're like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? I, I better go home. <laughs> right? Yeah. So when the real world and the real street comes in on you and you don't know and you have no experience and then it's just like, oh, I got to call my mom and dad now. Yeah. You know? Fucking nowhere else to go, nothing in your pockets. It's kind of right at rock bottom, eh? So how old were you when you went to uh, get clean for the first time? How old were you when you realized that this is, you can't do it anymore and you got to get clean? Um... When I went to Teen Challenge, so that was 2007. 2007, eh? So I what went was that few, experience like? Well, I went through a few rehabs um, because uh, my wife at the time, I had to end the kids, and it was like, get clean or go. Children's aid and all that stuff, right? Yep. So I did. Um, but then my father died. Uh, I was 32, and uh, I never got to say goodbye or, or none of that stuff, so I held that in, and I snapped, and I went back selling coke and dealing crack um hustling on droulard you know i just walked away from from everything again and just got lost in the streets and uh so i got caught went to jail whatever it's been a been a while and then i had a, an audible an audible voice one day when i was at the trap house i was sleeping and i woke up and nobody was there but this voice was telling me to get up so I got up and, you know, I'm looking around for, for dope. And of course the house was cleaned out. Nobody was there. And then I remembered it was my day my daughter was supposed to be born. And I missed it because I was on the street and I was in the crack I was selling. And right then I broke down and, and I was just like, I got to get clean. So I went to Teen Challenge and it's a year program and pretty much saved my life at that time. Wow. And that's when I began to, to realize, you know, <clears throat> all those choices that I made as a kid wasn't really the right choice. 
you know, and losing my dad and all that stuff and dealing with his death and the way he was with me. And I had to under, I finally understood that, you know, he was of 14 kids, right? So he didn't, he was the middle. So he didn't get that love either. Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't know how to do it, but he'd tell everybody else about me. But to me, it was like, it was a pain in the ass. That's exactly how my dad is, man. <laughs> yeah. But <coughs> everywhere else, everybody's like, oh, your dad talks so highly of your dad. I say, yeah, well, why didn't you ever tell me that? Yep. Right? But you hold that against. It's, that's the, you know, the, the fear over faith stuff, right? Yep. And um, so whatever. I, I went through this program, I, I, and I did it, and I came back home and stuff like that. I white-knuckled it, you know, this Christian thing. But that was for geeks, nerds, you know, like these guys <laughs> yeah. are weirdos, yep. you know, but I gave it a shot. And when I was in Teen Challenge, it was like two and a half years of Bible college, right? It was discipline and stuff. And I needed that because I've been gone since I was a little kid. I never, I never really had too much parental supervision. Yep. I was able to do whatever I wanted, you know, and uh, what led to, to what I was doing. But here was it was I had to make a choice right because I used to have a beard and stuff they made me said I have to shave and I'm like I ain't shaving I'm out of here like that's how easy it gets and, <laughs> yeah you know and I was at the door and then something just stopped me and I went it took I said okay give me the razor so I went it took me two hours I think standing in front of the bathroom of wondering should I shave should I go should I stay you know and I battled in my mind and I I shaved you know, and, and I stayed and I completed the program, the 14 month program, I think at the time, but you know, I got an extra two months because of good behavior, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, it was a change, right? It was, and learning how to deal with recovery and changes and, you know, kids and wife at the time and stuff like that. It's, it's a lot, right? And, um, I could have, but I, I just had to go back to work right away. So I white knuckled it and, you can only do that so long, yep. right? You can only play on both sides of the fence for so long before it crashes. Yep. And that's what I, I thought I could get away with it because I'd done it my whole life. And um, it didn't work. So I, I got about seven years clean, uh, kind of clean. I was clean but wasn't clean, you know, yeah. dibble-dabbling here and there, yep. stuff like that. It wasn't pretty, but... You know, it wasn't until this, this last time, like when I was sitting in jail and this COVID stuff come and, and you know, I thank God I had two years in or so in there because I was able to, to get my mind back and get clean again and, you know, get thinking again. I started missing, missing life again. I wanted to live instead of die because yeah. I've always wanted to die yep. since I was a kid, right? I don't know why. I can't explain it, but it's just I wanted to die. And at that time, it was just like when I when I saw what was happening at Tent City, like it'll blow your mind, right? The, the, there's things that I that I've seen that you don't even want to know about. Nobody yeah. wants to know about it, right? But it stuck with me, right? So I have to learn. I had to learn how to accept that, challenge that, and then move on from that. And this is where I, like, life's too short, right? And there's there's. There's too many, I have too many kids and stuff to, to, to give up and kill myself because mm -hmm. it's the easiest way. It's easier to do. Yeah. It's right? the easy way out. And, and that's where I was at. And then it was, I don't know, something just happened to me in that jail cell. And I was just like, no, man, I, I got to live. Yeah. And, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I decided to make that choice. 
because like when I came to Launchpad, it was right across from my old chop house. And it was the last place I was in Windsor, as I told you at the mission, right? Yep. And this is the first place I believe God put me to make that choice. Either you can go back to where you are good and love and you think everybody loves you and, you know, this is your comfort zone, or you can go into this rehab and have all these feelings, emotions, and life things and decisions <laughs> all come back to you and you have to do everything the proper way, you know, and... I chose to, to do that. I chose to live again. And I got into that basement at launch pad. I bawled my eyes out. Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe within the next few weeks, I, I got delivered from the addiction because I didn't have any temptations to use. Um, and I, I believe it just went. It was gone. You believe it was God? I believe it was God. Man, I'm going through this. As you know, me and Jess are going through the RCIA so we can get baptized. We can get married at our mm-hmm. parish, right? So... Um, I will say this, uh, t- two years ago, I started going to church, but I started going, so wait, I'll take it back. 2012, I went to church, it was the first time I really said I need to get myself fucking clean because I had been using for a long time and I realized it was becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. And in NA, they told me I needed to find a higher power and whatever that looks like to me. And the most familiar thing for me was going to church because my mom used to bring me there for Christmas mass all the time. Yeah. So that's when I gave it a first shot. That lasted six months and I was back out fucking using like yeah. there was no tomorrow. But, um, you know, since, since, since COVID, my, I had a really bad 2019 and then so 2020 happened and I really feel like, um, you know, you take everything in your own, through your own lens. Mm-hmm. So 2020 happened, COVID happened, the world slowed down. I really was able to get my shit together by the grace of God and the help of my parents. Um, and then 2021, I finally got achieved what I had been trying to achieve for so long, which was to get a career in sales. And it mm. might sound silly to some people, but it's real, what I really wanted. And uh, that's I've experienced the same thing where the temptation just was lifted. But in that time, I read a book and it told me that these pillars to success, that religion is one of them. Yeah. And mind you, it was written 100 years ago in 1921. But, um, you know, so I started going to church. But I went, and I only went because the book told me to. And then I didn't really go in the summertime because I was golfing. And then I went back in the wintertime, but I went back with a little bit of shame because, like, holy, I'm going to come back now. They're probably all going to think whatever, something mm-hmm. about me. But it wasn't. And everybody that recognized me was accepting and welcoming back. And then so I thought, okay, this summer I'm going to stick with it. But somewhere, and I don't really know where to pinpoint it, but somewhere there, I started to really feel like, I'm actually kind of interested in this, you know, mm-hmm. listening to the stories from the Bible and this and that. Yeah. Um, and then I started to take it more serious. And dude, my life has just been changing so much. And you, like, it's law of attraction, or it's God, or it's both. But and I've never anybody who knows me, I've never been into mumbo jumbo, voodoo, yeah. religion, whatever. But now I'm having this experience in my life, and it's it's amazing, man. It's amazing. Well, and they tell you if you do. <laughs> Good things, right things, the good things and right things will come to you. Yeah. So same as me. Like when I was for 37 years, I was doing this. Nothing good was coming. Some things did good come, like kids and stuff. But most of it, no. Since I've been clean for three years now, or over three years, it's been nothing but pretty much blessings, bro. Yeah. And it's only because, you know, I'm following, trying to follow as best as I can the Bible. Yep. And I believe the Bible is the blueprint of how to live. Yep. Right. And if you if you read some of the stories in there, 
They ain't no different than us. No, I know that. <laughs> I'm honestly, like, we're learning this. And I'm thinking, 2,000 years ago, they were doing the exact same shit. Like, what the fuck, man, you know? So, but what I was kind of getting at with that is, like, the whole, them bringing you to right across the street from your chop house. Yeah. That's where it brought you. So, like, truly, man, that must have been God because yeah. what was that like for you the first day you arrived and you realized, oh, shit, this place is across from my chop house. How um, you? you know? Bro, so many things went through my head. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> right? bet, man. Because, like, did I... You, wait, sorry. Did you see it as a sign that first day? Like, yeah. Did you see it like that or did yes. it take time? I, it did. As yeah. soon as I, got, I went, this can't be coming here. I can't be coming right here. You know, and uh, Grace... My wife, she's she's like, she. I don't even think she had much to say either. Like, <laughs> I was just like, is this God? Is God have his? God has a sense of humor. If you don't think he has a sense of humor, think back to some situations. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. here I am. I haven't been here in over five years or three years or whatever. And you know when I got arrested the first time and I did, uh, I got my uh, probation or the when i got released i made it at the chop house so i had to stay at the chop house and they gave it to me so i was able to Whoa. stay at the chop house deal and then the cops would come check on me yeah i'm here because I, like, I ain't going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> right but then all that came crashing down as as most as it does yeah. right because of the, the 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 situations but yeah when i came in there bro i was just like i was just like no man like God, I started asking, "Are you really that in tune with us? Like, is this is this really real? Like, do you really answer the prayers? Are you there, really? Like, you know, I started this whole thing, and that's when I just pretty much tapped out and said, you know what, I surrender. Yeah. Like, if you can bring me through what I just did, you know, I OD'd five times myself. I tried to kill myself so many times, you know, and yet coming out of all this, out of the thirty-seven years." I've, I've, I'm still alive. I'm perfectly healthy. You know, I used to do 15, up to 15 needles a day. Yeah. And I have nothing, no have nothing. Like I'm perfectly, perfectly healthy, except for the arthritis and old age. That comes <laughs> yeah, from. regular old but, age shit. You know, yeah. I, I kind of, then I kind of started thinking, right? And because I, I never, I was half-assed with God as well. Yep. And I'm like, wow, maybe, because I've always asked, are you really there? Are you really there? And I've always contemplated that question. And, you know, and, and I was just like, you know, what? I think he is because I did pray inside that building. If you get me out of here, I'll never touch this again. And he got me out of there and happened to be right across from there, you know. And so I told the, the director, JB, at the time of the lunch pad, I was like, man, that's my chop post. He's like, good. God, God put you right where you needed to be. Yep. What do you want to do? And I was like, I'm done. Right. So I prayed for that building. Uh, actually, I, sh I shouldn't say it because I'm gonna I don't want to interpolate myself. But I prayed. <laughs> I prayed that that house would burn down. Yeah, yeah. For like four months straight when I was in in there, um, in rehab, and subsequently it burned down. But I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it just, didn't burn all the way down. No, though. no. It's but it burned standing, enough yeah. where it could finally close that cesspool of a house down yeah because that's it, what it was yeah right i've seen a lot of garbage go on in that did house did you find it cleansing yes the burn yes yeah. i did actually i got a phone call and saying look it's on fire it's on fire and i'm like good my prayers came true <laughs> but you know thank god no one got hurt yeah and nobody can utilize that place anymore you know for me you know it's just 
just for me, it, it gave me closure that it's done. Yeah. It's done. I, I don't have to go back into that past no more. You have a clean slate. You have a clean new life. What do you want to do with it? And this is where the soup shack and, and stuff all comes into play now, right? Because I'm loving them people. Yep. You know, most of the time we hate them all. And we hate them until we need something from them. Yep. Right? But I, I unconditionally love all of them every night. You know, and I know what that person's going through. I know what that person's going through. I know what that person's going through. Yeah. Right? And I tell them that. I'm like, I know. I got, I know. Like, I know that you just want to end it all. But don't. Like, we can get, we can get through this. We can yep. recover, man. Like, I'm doing it. You're doing it. Yep. You know, it's there. It's, it's there. You just, you know, you got to find your, fight through these little things to get to that point. Mm. Right. It's not easy. And I wanted to quit so many times too. Right. Because it's like every time your past, your record, whatever, like children's aid, when I went to finally go see them, they had like six cops there at the desk because I was coming in to meet the lady to so I can see my kids right it's just that's the the stigma right yeah I'm like what are you guys all doing here it wasn't very good last time I was there <laughs> right the last yeah. my last words for them right so you know I'm just like that's not me no more I just I'm, I'm done I just want to I want to proceed and and how do I do that yeah right and then they changed their tune right and then within six months it was closed and you see your kids and everything regularly I see them now. Regularly right? now, yeah. Yep. So, so you know, it's, it's it takes work, you know, and then especially like getting your license, getting your health card and stuff. It is a pain in the ass. Yeah, but once you do it, you do it once. That's you know? It. Then you got to just renew every couple of years. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, and that's the thing now, right? And doing everything properly and the right way. You know, I don't have to lie and, and, and sneak and do this and do that or cover my head or. Oh my God, isn't it so much easier no. not having to fucking to yeah. go through all that so i want to ask you if if you were sitting in if you were speaking in front of a group full of parents oh that might be struggling with their own kids yeah what's a message that you have for them uh don't give up hope because you know i don't have a strong relationship today either with my mom and stuff but you know i'm sure she's had her nights you know wondering what i'm doing where i am and praying that I'd come through one day and I'd be alive, you know. Um, I'm not saying, um, uh, how do you say, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you got to cut them loose at the same time. But don't give up. But don't give up. Yeah. You know. Um, but don't cut them off completely. We're out there doing what we're doing to try and get them to come get clean and come home. You know, we're trying. We're, yep. we're, we're hitting them. You, you watch it every night yep. when, when you come out with me. And we have a variety of ages. And we're out there telling them, you know, we're here for you. We'll get you to where you need to go. You know, your parents and your family will come back once you get to this point. Right? Because they will. Yep. They will. They're family. You know, um, we're out there doing what we can do as much as we can to, to give you the hope that, you know, one day they could be sitting here talking to you on this podcast instead of me, right? Yep. And it has happened. I've, I've watched it happen already a few times. You know, um, all we try to do is we want to make the mamas happy. Yeah. And that's the it, right? We want to make mamas happy and we want the kids to come home. Can we get them all? Probably not. Would we love to? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but 
Um, just to let you know that I'm out there every almost every night telling them that they're loved and giving them food and saying, hey, when you're ready, I'm here for you. Yep. And that's usually how it goes. Good. And then, you know, I've had mamas come through looking for their kids. I think you were there the one time that lady was coming looking for her daughter. It's heartbreaking. You know, it is because, you know, I, I could just imagine if my kids were, was that. Yeah. You know. so actually, I was, I was working with a client earlier this summer and I was telling him about the soup shack. And he told me, this is my son's name. This is what he looks like. If mm-hmm. you see him, can you please let me know how he's doing? Yeah. And I see him there every night. I'm not going to mention any names, no, no, but yeah. I see him there every night. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, it, I'm, I'm, it feels good to be able to say, yeah. hey, hey, man, your kid's doing good today. He's alive. Yeah. And he's, the, and he's appreciative to hear it, too. And so. we, ha- we have a few volunteers in the same boat, and they're just there because their grandson or whatever's out here. You know, um, but I tell them you can't you can't go out there and and, and save them, but you can see them. Yep. And you can serve them. Yep. Can, I love you. <laughs> that's all. Like that's what I promote, right? I just yep. I love you and I give you a hug, and you know, come ask me. I'll tell you what I went through the last thirty-seven years. I'm yep. not gonna tell you guys the explicit details, but you know I ain't afraid to share it. Yep. You know, cause it sucks. And out there, it's all a survival game, right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be. And most of the most of them know that it that there's a choice to get clean or not. They just don't know how to find it. And they're clouded right now. Yeah. Right. So we got to give them unclouded. Learn how to deal with the feelings that's going to come up because they're going to come up. Oh, they're going to come up. You know, Let me there's tell a you. lot of shit that you're hiding, and a lot of shit that happens when you're on the street. You know, and that's the sad part. I wish no kid had to go through that. But unfortunately, it's it's going to be there. Yeah. You know, and I know we're going to try and promote kids and staying away from drugs and, and all that stuff in the future. You know, it's just there are consequences. Yep. There's always consequences to, to what we do, right? So uh, if people want to donate to the Soup Shack... What can they donate? Do you take monetary donations? Are you taking food? What kind of food in case people, somebody's listening? Like, what's some stuff that um, the Soup Shack needs, how, and how can they get it there? So right now, at this time, we were looking for long underwear and always hats and socks and mittens. Yeah, toques. Toques. Yeah. Um, snacks. We, we could always use snacks because that's an extra we provide for them because I always wanted snacks and candy when I was on the street. <laughs> when it's one, two in the morning, yeah. right? And because there's such a gap from the food, you know, and there's actually, there's a lot of food going out there, but from like that eight o'clock or to when we close nine o'clock to the next time they get a, a meal is, is, a, is a long time. Yeah. And when you're out in the cold and, uh, and stuff like that, it's, it's even harder right so we like to f- give them granola bars um soft ones yeah um we get bear paws fruit cups we know we, get, we like to i brought the fruit cups out because of the the fruits and they need to get that um uh, what else do we have there like juice boxes juice boxes yeah cookies um bananas they really love bananas they do love bananas they eh? love bananas through those boxes of bananas yeah. like nothing yeah <laughs> bananas anything that you pretty much have in your kids lunchbox yeah they'll eat puddings all that stuff um and then you can get a hold of us or me uh through sasha or you can call uh email at bobby soup shack gmail.com think so yeah. right yep. and um you know check. we will go from there but yeah, it's just we, we, we try to fill them up 
and keep them talking and hug them and love them and then they're on their way Bobby, yeah, so. Bobby Soupshack, gmail.com. Yeah, let me check. Yeah. We're, we're putting it on pause right there. Uh, yeah, Bobby Soupshack at gmail.com. B O B B Y S O U P S H A C K at gmail.com. Bobby with two B's. All right, man. That's great. So, um, I mean,. What I guess we'll finish. Well, we off. have Christmas coming up. Yeah. What do you got coming up in the community? Is there any so special events? We're planning, going on? we're planning a Christmas dinner on Christmas Day for our soup shack visitors. Um, turkey dinner, all that stuff. Um, it'll be at Throne of Grace Church. And we we're looking for some turkeys. Um, we're also doing stocking stuffers with some gloves, hats, some candy, um, five or ten dollar Tim Horton cards. Um, whatever you, whatever you or the family feel like putting in this big stocking, they get them, I think Dollarama, fill them up. It's like 20 bucks. I think 20, 25 bucks it costs to fill one up with the card. Yep. So all together. And, um, we're looking for about 50 more lows and that's about it. Eh? Some turkeys, some stocking stuffers and Come out and say hi. Yeah, if somebody wants to volunteer, are you taking spots? Are spots open? Uh, um, yes and no. Like I said, get in touch with me at thebobbysoupshack.gmail.com. I will get back to you as soon as I can. Um, now with Christmas coming, there may be some days available. Um, but yeah, just you know, shoot me a quick email. Tell me a bit about yourself. Um, what are you doing? Why you want to do this? Where do you get hope to get out of it, and then you know we'll see if we can put you on the schedule. Um, it's it's I'll tell you right now, and you can ask Sasha. It's a, an amazing experience. It's life changing. It's life changing. It really is. Um, they're so grateful. They're so thankful, and uh, you know they're respectful, right? Yeah, they are very they're, respectful. Very respectful. They, you got your your hearts will be opened and, and your minds will be blown when you come spend a night at the soup shack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can guarantee it. Yeah. So, uh, parents that might be struggling with children, is there any resources that they can go to to get support for themselves? Anything like that? CODA or something? There is CODAs. I don't know the meeting meeting things because I just don't have time with yeah. the soup shack and work. Um, but I will, like, again, you can just email me and I'll find you. I got, I got people that are volunteering that are in CODA. We yep. have people that are in volunteering doing AA, NA. Um, I am with Launchpad Recovery Center as well. Yep. Uh, I know Parkwood Church now has their little community hub where, where we used That's to be. That's Parent and Wyandotte. Parent yep. and yep. you know. Um, or just even come and talk to me at the Soup Shack. Yeah. And and just say, hi, I'm Bobby. Or <laughs> tell me your name. and <laughs> Ask for Bobby, I meant to say. Ask for Bobby and then... Unless your name is Bobby. <laughs> yeah, unless your name is Bobby. <laughs> ask for me and then, you know, ask, ask me and I'll tell you. Yep. And, you know, we, we do have kids that come there. We do have moms that come there that volunteer, like I said before, looking for their kids, and some have lost their kids, you know, and just want to give back. Yep. But just come. I'm always there. You can always get a hug and, a, and an answer out of me, right? Yes. So um, just grab me and just just introduce yourself and why you're here, and we'll go from there. All right. Right. All right, man. Um, anything else? No. Is there anything that you want to mention maybe that we missed? Is that a trick question? No, no. <laughs> it's just in case you had something on your mind that we didn't get to while we were talking. I don't know. <laughs>
I don't know. Just come, come see us. Come support us. Um, like I said, it's we we do like money as well. It all goes to Feeding Windsor, Essex.ca. But you know the snacks and and uh, clothes and stuff like that. We we get, we clothe them. We have clothing nights two nights a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. Yep. And we go through pretty quite a bit of clothes. Yep. Uh, most of the stuff that they get get stolen or wet when they're outside and stuff so we try to you know keep it flowing for them keep being consistent for them and uh, jackets always you know well yeah let's touch on that actually so recently you and i did our uh community project where we did adults and children's jackets yeah uh how many jackets did we get total for adults uh, we had 315, I think. It was 315. Bit, yeah. yeah, Windsor Drive Magazine and Canadian Tire um, had a, a co-drive with us. Yep. Right? We had BizX Magazine. BizX was out there. We had five hours, and we got like 300-something coats. Yeah, we got AM800, too, that supported yeah. us on that one. And, and so uh, you guys gave out, what, two, 200 coats on one the, night? The one night, we gave out 200-something coats. <sighs> Um, I know you gave a whole bunch of coats to the we kids. Gave, I gave 85 jackets and 15 snowsuits yeah, to, uh, to Marlboro Public School. So we want to keep doing that as well, right? We want to, we'll take any, we'll take kids' clothes, yep. we'll take adults' clothes. And, you know, the beauty about about us at the Soup Shack and stuff is is that it goes right back out to the community. Yeah. We sort it, we clean it, and it's gone. Yep. Or, like, I have families, immigrant families that are coming and getting clothes. Yep. Um, you know, we help people who just get apartments with stuff, with plates and pots and beddings and like we do we do what we can every night, yep. right? And and you know, we could always don't ever think that you, that we can't use it because we can. Yeah. And then uh, one last thing I want to touch on the the a lot of people know our donation center on Peary Street, but yes. that's moved now. It is done. Yep. It is closed until further notice. I don't know what we're gonna do yet. But we have to vacate because it was sold. So that's going on Friday. Um, but like I said, just send us an email. Um, we can come pick up stuff. Or Schedule you can, pickups, yeah. Yeah, you can meet us at the Soup Shack um, until we figure out a permit solution. Um, we'll go from there. We have a place to hold it right now. So we have to work on the sorting and, and stuff. But yeah, we. Yep. so just, just keep us in mind. All right. right. And I think, is that it? I think that's it. Shoot, boots, boots and shoes. Boots and shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, we always need boots and shoes. In May, we got the (laughs) shoe drive that Marissa and I did uh, this year. That was very successful. Shout out to Boathouse and Blackwell Shoes, uh, giving us probably close to 100 pairs, brand new and used. And they're gone. And they're all gone. (laughs) They're gone. Oh, God, we got so many shoes in that drive, and we're looking forward to doing it again this coming May. So if anybody's got any shoes, keep them aside. We'll take them. Or boots for the winter. Or boots for the winter. You can... if, if you got boots and jackets, you can drop them off at 1821 Provincial Road. We still there got our go. box out front. So yeah. uh, brown building with a copper roof. Just at the very end of the hallway on the main floor is a box. You can drop that off. Come say hi to Sasha. Come say hi to Sasha. <laughs> so I'm always here. And I always got a smile on my face. And I'm the second best hugger in the world. Yeah. Bobby's the first so, best hugger. <laughs> let me ask you a question now. Okay. Turning the tables. I like it. What has the Soup Shack done for your life? Great question. 
So again, so uh, Soup Shack, I got introduced to the Soup Shack uh, this year. It was about March or April. I was originally doing a breakfast club um, that we had a unit at the Lasoline Projects that was donated near the end, uh, near the entrance. Uh, so we were doing breakfast club for Coronation Public School, and then it, and then Feeding Windsor, I guess, couldn't sustain the program anymore. Or Possibly, it was a yeah. sacrifice, he called it, I think, yeah. for the after-school suit program, which is fine, whatever. Uh, but then I went to Marissa, like I needed something to do. I didn't want to, you know, kind of spend another couple of months looking for somewhere to go. Um, so then she introduced me to you. And then... That's theirs. <laughs> I met you the first day, and then I came to the shack the first night, and I think it was at the end of the night you asked me to take over for you for one week and i don't know if you were just putting yeah. me to a test or you needed somebody to help you out but oh man that week was like man i think after the third day i said this this guy does this every day and works yeah. full time and has a family and it was a lot man like we opened at seven yeah. but i was out the door at like five forty-five, going to get everything ready from the center pack everything up uh go get the soup drop it off go out get this hot chocolate come back open the shack, set it up. It was, you do a lot of work there, man. Yeah. And then for my experience there, really, I just, you know, um, I went there and I was like, kind of just fist bumping everybody like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, man, hey, man, hey, man. And then, no, because you're intimidating muscles or nothing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was by the, after the first month, like once I started to recognize them, they became, and, I, I, and I'm not trying to say this in a derogatory way or trying to be condescending in any way, but they became like real people to me yeah. because I started to recognize them. You know, they come to me freely and they want to tell me about their day. And yeah. then you're realizing that they're accepting of you. And it's, you know, then that does something to me inside too. And then I started to remember their names and they remembered my names. And then I found that I was thinking about them when I was at work and, yeah. and you know, it's raining out and there's maybe a couple that you're getting close to and you think about them and then, or you don't see them for a couple of yeah, days that's and the then big you get one. worried, you know, and then you see them like, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but man, there's one that when I don't see him, I, just, I get so worried for him because yeah. he's just so free and it's like, I don't know, man, it, it, you, you get to know them and then they become a part of your life and then it, then you care. And it's like a family, bro. Exactly. So it's it really did change my it changed my life in a few different ways. First, <clears throat> the experience of giving back, realizing how much you go through, um, and then and then being a part of that uh, made me really open my eyes about giving back and then getting to know them. It's and what it's doing for me today really is it's keeping me from going back out because sometimes mm -hmm. I'm bored, sometimes I'm stressed out. And I think I'm fucking bored or I just want to go party and not yeah. give a shit about anything and fuck the world for a couple of days. And I think about them or, you know, the one night I was struggling, I had to come there. I went right to you. I was straight to you and said, hey, man, I just had this experience and I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. Hey, give me a fucking hug right now. I need you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's it did change my life. So if anybody's. Um, you know, maybe going through that where they're clean and they're struggling, come down and say hi, see these people once yeah. you see them. Or, you know, I'm bringing my niece now because yeah. she's young and she's starting to, you know, test the limits. So yeah. bringing her there. And, and that's the thing. There's a, there's a few of us that are in recovery and that are there. And, you know, we are we're all at different stages. Yep. And, and we don't hide that either. Like, we were there. And we always tell them, right, I know what you're going. We've been there. We've done that, yep. you know. So when you're ready, 
I'm here for you. Just let me know. Absolutely. Right? And you can do that. And my, uh, my Dave, buddy Dave does, you know, yep. Wayne, we're all there and we've all been through it, yep. you know, and we'll guide you through it. And that's the beauty of the shack is, you know, bringing people from that world into our, where we are today. And then so we can give it back to them when they're ready. Yep. Right. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like, so recently that you and I were talking about putting together a presentation to maybe go to New Beginnings and uh, to go talk to younger kids that maybe are just getting started in their life because uh, with the learned experience and being clean and living a life today, and like we were talking earlier at lunch today, like today I'm in a position where I have a really important job and people mm -hmm. depend on me and the people that gave me this opportunity see something in me and believe in me. Yep. And I don't hide my addiction or who I was because it made me who I am today. And you know, so they gave me an opportunity. They've stuck with me. I wanted to quit this job four times in the first year. And each time they sat me down to tell me how good I am, yep. no matter how bad I felt inside about myself. And, so imagine that that's what they're all thinking. Yeah. Too, right. So, but nobody telling them that they're loved and that they're cared right. for and that they're important. So that's what's, this, that's what's, that's it right there. Yeah. Right? We like to show by example. Yeah. And me too. Like I went from tent city three and a half years ago to now I'm running this organization, this ministry. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Right. Yeah. And we have what, 30, 40 volunteers, it's, you know, it's just yeah. And you manage them all, holy. It's crazy, right? And then, and there hasn't really been any hiccups. No, no. I mean, you no, know, not, nothing like, significant. I was like I say, who would have thunk this this ex addict would be this, <laughs> right? Right. And changing the community and just giving the love back because, like I told you before, I, I think it was you. When I got out of prison and everybody was avoiding me when I was walking down the street, like I had the plague and I didn't, I wasn't, I never encountered that. I did like, I encountered that when I was a drug addict and I was all messed up Yeah. and people would do the, 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 the walk around you. Yeah. But then when I got out and I was clean and then everybody's doing that and just the, the mentality of people changed on me, bro. Yeah. Like. They had, they're selling weed out of stores now. Yeah, yeah. I never had that. Right? I know. Like, I went to jail for that. You know, and then it's just like, I was so upset on how people were to each other. Yeah. Because, you know, I would do that to hide what was going on in my mind. And I would do that to people. And I've always hated it when I was, would do that to somebody. Yeah. Right? Because I do have a conscience and I do have a soft, huggy heart. <laughs> and I used to feel really bad after I would do something like that. But these, it was happening all the time everywhere. You know, and the way I saw some people, the people treating them on the street. Like how many times have we talked to these people and most of them not even on drugs? Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're just, shit happens. Yeah, yeah. And then when they're on the street, well, eventually they're going to give up and just get high because what else are you going to do? Yeah, you got to I mean, you got to fucking drown out that reality of sleeping outside. You know, and that's the thing. And that's what I see now. That's why it's, it's so much bigger right now because there's a lot of people that we encounter that have only been on the streets for a couple of years. Yeah. Right? And yep. this is all COVID. Now, I don't know because I've been, I was locked up for it, but... You know, when you asked me earlier about what can we do to shorten it, they, why is it like the detox and stuff? And I, just, I don't think they even were ready to handle, be able to handle this. No, yeah. You know, because a lot of people lost their houses, jobs, spouses, 
like a lot of mental illness came out and all this COVID yeah. mental illness stuff or whatever, you know, like there's, we have that one lady that got beat up by her husband and she had to leave and that's why she's on the street. Yeah. Right. And she just started drugs not too long ago and now there's, she doesn't know how to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's not like, it's not like back when I was in you, like doing it for 37 years straight or whatever, 20 years straight. Like this is recent. Yeah. Right. And there's, and it's not just white and black anymore. It's all of us. Yep. Right. Yep. We have such a diversity of people visiting the soup shack. Like it's, it's, it's becoming a real issue around around the world. I think. Uh, well, just in Canada or Ontario, I don't know. But it's just, it's like, the, uh, how do we stop? How do we get to them before they get to the third year on the street, the second year on the street, yeah, the first year on the street, right? Because after this COVID stuff happened, I know the problems I had with dealing with it. I can just imagine when they were in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and that's why I say I'm a COVID miracle. Because if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have been released early. I wouldn't have went, went into the ghost town of Hamilton. And I wouldn't have sat there, probably talked to God and say, get me out of here. You know, and uh, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. Yep. Right? And I was all within six months because after I got out, I got out the end of 2020 of August, and then it started to change, right? Things yep. started opening up and stuff again. So, yeah, it's just it's just a mind for thought. Yeah. But that's what I see, you know, and it's a lot of uh, younger and newer. And it, it's not like it's even a cool thing to do. No, They're yeah. just, there's nowhere for them to go. Do you, like, it's a lot of people coming down from, uh, like, Kitchener and Toronto and, like, that yeah. area, too, right? like Well, even when I was when I was dealing here 20-something years ago, and that they would come down here because it's fast money. It was the fast money place. Oh, really? I oh, thought yeah. it was because it was, like, uh, warmer and less well, expensive. No, it was fast money. Like, Toronto people, that's how uh, I came back here because I was from Hamilton. I came back from Hamilton. Same thing. It was, it was fast money. It was fast money in Windsor. That's where all the Toronto and stuff people come, and it was fast money in my time. I don't know if it's changed much. Well, so no, it's, I'm, somebody I'm dealing with who works with the homeless and add addictions in uh, Leamington said the same thing. All these drug dealers come down here from Toronto or yeah. play, place people down here because they sell their drugs a lot faster here for some yeah, reason. It's fast, and then they go. Yep. Right? And then yeah. uh, we got to deal with the rest. What, what happens? We, yeah, the backlash. We, we have to deal with the consequences, right? Yeah. So, you know... One day at a time, one hug at a time, one I love you at the time, right? Yeah. That's what the Soup Shack says. You are loved and we love you. Yeah. So. Good. Good. All right, man. Okay, man. Thank you for your time. Yo, I, I honestly, I do want to say thank you for taking the time to relive the experience. I know it's hard to relive it and I might dredge up stuff. So thank nah. you. No, good. I got good, Jesus, man. bro. I love you, man. Jesus so, takes bro. it all the way. <laughs> well, it's hard for some people to relive it. I know I was getting teary eyed a couple times. Yeah, me too. <laughs> talking, but I thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience, man, because it's pretty, pretty, pretty wild miracle what your life, man. So, and thank you for yep. all the service that you do. Thank you for, you know, for being you. Cool, I'm man. glad that God put us on a path to meet together. Me too, we'll man. We'll do some big things together. Yes, sir. I love you, man. I love you too, brother.